Listen, if you dare, to the Lovecraft Tapes. Welcome to the Lovecraft Tapes podcast. This is Case 14, Hypnos. I am Jeremy, your keeper of arcane lore, and we play Chaosium's Call of Cthulhu, a role-playing game filled with cosmic horror, existential dread, and a lone bicyclist in your rearview mirror on a stretch of dirt road at midnight, and no matter how fast you go, they're always right behind you. Your investigators of the unknown are... Gabe, as Roy. Man, I just gotta get through this for the payday. Matt, as Rocky. You know, I was having trouble sleeping, but then I got this new Casper mattress, and ever since, it's been smooth sailing. And Brian, as Pippa. I said I'd do a lot, but I still haven't gotten the damn Klondike bar. Well, welcome back uh, to everybody in the chat, and welcome back, players. Uh, is everybody feeling good tonight? Yes, I'm feeling great. Thanks for having us. Guys, recently, I don't know if you know this or not, but I've had my fair share of stress. And I think that we can all agree that lately, maybe the last couple of years, we've had to contemplate our mortality in very real terms. What was the closest you actually got to dying? And I'll start. So once I was on a flight, and I believe we were going to uh, Montana for a trade show for work. And uh, we hit a patch of turbulence. And uh, of course, you know, the pilot would come on and say, we're experiencing a little bit of turbulence. Please put on your seatbelt, blah, blah, blah. We're going to ask the uh, flight attendants to please take their seats. So one poor flight attendant (laughs) was pulling back the food cart, food and drink cart, when we hit turbulence. And everybody flew up, but she did not have a seatbelt on and went flying up and banged her head on the roof of the cabin and fell down and had people like rush to help pick her up. And yeah, I thought we were going to die because we I've never experienced worse turbulence in my life. Uh, luckily, we did make it. How about you guys? I was 14, helping my dad work on the weekend. And we finished the job early and we're heading home. We were going to go cook dinner and have a great evening. And all of a sudden, all this glass shot at me and had no clue what happened. I was in the backseat, looked around and there's three vehicles all facing the same direction on this country road, but it's like a country highway. And some lady drifted over into our lane and hit us head on. So I was perfectly fine. Nothing wrong with me. Couldn't get out of the car. I had to climb through the window. Uh, I was trying to help my dad and he had his hand on the steering wheel when it hit and it dislocated his thumb and he put it back in and then passed out. That's probably the closest I've ever come. I mean, I just had a lot of lung issues growing up. So every once in a while, it would just be like, okay, bye. So I was out with this kid who I was very close with and, you know, our entire family knew their entire family. So we were out Their Parents had taken us out for the day to, I don't even remember do what, but we were in the car and we were driving down a road And I remember looking over and noticing that, you know, we're getting a little closer and closer to the side of the road. And I'm like, oh, maybe he's getting ready to turn. And then we just kind of roll off the side of the road and into the ditch on the side of the embankment. And we end up like side on the car sliding. Apparently what happened was the dad who was driving ended up having a stroke while he was driving and ended up passing out while he was holding on to the wheel, which is why we went slowly off to the side and then down the embankment. Cars are terrible. Well, thanks, guys, for sharing that. Listeners, if you would like to reach out and touch us, 
We highly encourage it. Send a letter from beyond on our website at lovecrafttapes.com. This show is brought to you in part by our generous fans and supporters on patreon.com slash lovecrafttapes. Thank you to Jordy Rose, Barry Robeson, Atulia, Brownie Davis, Elizabeth Grieve, Chris Parker, Brittany Davis, Kyle Sherman, Huge Pie, Jefferson Bell, Eric Zane, Olda Polkert, Amanda Power, Mitch L., Lobster Johnson, Harold, Frank Delbenthal, John Scarcella, Eric Phillips, Malamber 57, The Frilled Shark, Daniel Caprone, Wooter Mayan, Dom Driver, Snow, John May, Andrew Petty, Little Rowan Plays, Phil Dickinson, Flix Capacitator, Robert Jameson, Boston Harbor Horror, Yogg, Eric Setterberg, Liz Moonberry, Stephen Gregory, Davinia Vonzerovich, Sheldon Warner, Chainsaw Unicorn, Ripley Iwin, Discordiant, Shane Stoley, Captain Vashton, Peter VDB, James Brown, Horse Draper, Ineptus the Stardust, A.E. Jonesy, Prophet of Woe, Marty Dixon, Matthew, David Winterman, Oddity, Kevin C., Casper Ryback, Ruined Ashes, Brindle Stubbs, Rolling Boxcars, Manic B Media, Ba Tran, Phoenix Black, Puddle Time, Bifford, Jeffrey Young, Holden Olmans, Jay Clark, Phil Campbell, Justin Levesque, Nicholas Hutto, John Kodopasik, Tomas, Mick Cope, Kevin G, Robert Lamb, Benjamin King, Jehovah's Thickness, Steve L, Saratin Wizard of Isinglass, J.R., Matt's sister, literally, and will pay to see Ernie eat Sarah's toilet rat. So thank you guys. Really appreciate the support. All right, guys, before we begin, we need to take a quick commercial break. And now, a word from our sponsor. Sweet! Who wants some good old-fashioned farm-raised grub? I bet you do. So get your butt in gear and get on down to Aunt Kathy's Bacon Farm. Hi, it's me, Aunt Kathy, and you will not believe what we're serving up at the Bacon Barn. It's bacon! Yeah, whatever you're yearning for, we got it. Thick slice, thin slice, smoke, double smoke, cured, dried fat back, and belly cut, it's pigs for miles. In fact, did you all know that if we laid our entire bacon inventory in end, it would stretch six times around the moon? I know it for a fact, not because I have one of them fancy math and numbers degrees, but because I've actually done it. It's what you call astro-projection. See, what I do is I, I sit like this with my legs crossed, then I close my eyes and I launch my spirit right up out of my body. After that, it's just plumb easy to fly up to that hunk of white cheese in the sky, and if my tape measure ain't lying, all this here bacon here would wrap around our lunar satellite a half a dozen times, plus a couple of strips for good measure. And then, boom, I'm just right back in my mortal coil so I can sell you the best pork bacon on the planet. Now, I ain't saying this here's literal moon bacon, but I ain't, ain't saying it neither if you catch my drift. I'm no astronaut, but I might be considered an astronaut when it comes to hog. Remember, the next time you get hangry, hop in your automobile and just zoom on over to the bacon barn, located just past the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster on Route 69. Look for the giant meat cleaver out front, and if I'm occupying this here sack of blood and guts, I'll be happy to sign your griddle. Just ask for old Aunt Kathy. And we're back. If you guys had to design a logo for that product and or service, what would it look like? Just a big puff of 
gray hair that you could for sure tell it's a wig, but you still want to tug it and make sure? Uh, it would be a, a, a barrel of a gun pointing at you that says, buy this product. See, I think I think you guys got it all wrong. See, in today's climate, you have to you have to be distinctive, you have to be unique, and you can't have more than two colors. And, you know, maybe two... Fo- no, nah, just one. We'll stick to one font. Minimalism is really big right now. So here's what I'm thinking. You got this, you know, really nice, like, gradient background sunrise. We got palm trees and birds flapping. Maybe, uh, like, a hammock hanging across two trees, a coconut, you know, with a little umbrella in it. You know, uh, maybe, like, there's a, a bar off to one side and there are people dancing and there's this whole party thing going on. We'll add, like, you know, blinking lights to it. And, and then, you know, on top of that, there'll be some nice, you know, light music in the background, maybe a breeze, a couple of, you know, bird screeches. It's And, and then we'll start pumping scents in on top of that. So you get, like, the ocean and you'll get, like, the fruit and you'll get all that. And, you know, just what, you know what I'm saying? Just keep it simple. That's all I'm saying. What two colors? Pink and teal. I envision one of those lenticular designs, you know, where you turn it one way and you see something and then turn it another way and you see something else. Now, the first image is a young toddler sitting in a green field surrounded by alphabet blocks that spell mom and dad and banana. The toddler is smiling, happy, innocent, untainted. You can see the promise of a bright future in its wide blue eyes. But when you turn the design the other way, the blocks change. They get bigger, eventually towering over the toddler, shadows lengthening to eclipse any hint of light in its eyes. The blocks no longer spell mom and dad and banana. Instead, they spell work and sleep and obey. The toddler is not happy at this development. It is no longer smiling. Its grin having turned downward with disgust, disappointment, and defeat. One hand is poised at the bottom block, which will send the whole structure crashing down on the tiny figure, crushing its bones and bringing sweet, sweet oblivion. My marketing team says we're still in the test stages. Focus groups so far have given mixed reactions from utter terror to confused glee. It's a work in progress. Uh, question. Uh, serif or sans serif? Definitely sans. Okay, that's that's the right choice. The comic kinds? Yeah, that's the only font I own, actually. Well, it was that or papyrus, you know. I use the dyslexic font, and it works great. Well, I mean, we could we could try wingdings. I hear that's popular with the youngins. No, that's buffalo wild wings that you're thinking of. Oh, I am kind of hungry. Buffalo wild wingdings. Now, your investigators... We play Case 14, Tape 5, Inside La Casa. Previously on the Lovecraft Tapes. I'd tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. Roy, as you quickly turn toward the shadow approaching from the main hall in Pomance, disorientation threatens to overwhelm your center of gravity. How the hell did you get here from Blaine Manor? You reach out and grasp the corner of a billiard table to steady yourself. The dark figure steps into the game room. 
Your eyes struggle to focus in the dim light cast by the Tiffany lamps hanging nearby. Is that... Eldridge Poe? You look closer at the smiling man. He's about your height, dressed in a three-piece suit made entirely of deep velvet material, perhaps suede. His necktie is a chaotic swirl of muted greens, blues, and blacks. The heart-shaped clip, shining silver. He is thin, but fit, moving with the grace of a feline, muscles faintly rippling beneath the fabric of his outfit. In his hands are two tumblers, each with a double shot of rust-colored liquid and nodules of ice barely bobbing inside. No, definitely not Eldridge Poe. He stops a few feet away and surveys you momentarily with great interest before cheerfully pronouncing, By the look of things, Mr. Arroyo, you could use a drink. He extends one of the cocktails toward you. I'll grab it. Campari, I assume. If that is your pleasure, of course. Uh, Shall we retire by the fire? As they say. And you go over and there's two easy chairs next to the fireplace in the game room of Pomance. And the fire is roaring. Whereas you're sure like a moment ago it wasn't. I can't say no to a nice fire sit. Well, please, after you, sir. And he walks towards the chairs. As will I. The two of you sit down with tumblers of Campari. And he stares at you, takes a sip, smiles. And how are you finding things so far? Mr. Arroyo. I'll fish the ice out of the tumbler and throw it into the fire. Say, on the rocks is for the weak. Oh my, yes. I totally agree. And he does the same thing. He scoops his fingers into the drink and tosses the ice cubes into the fire where they crackle and melt. Mm, Much better. So shoot straight with me. Absolutely. What is this place really? I assume that you knew this place. I do. I just want to hear it said out loud. I believe they said it was Pomance. Does this ring a bell for you? It's what I was afraid of. Why afraid, Mr. Royal? A lot of legends surrounding Pomance. Oh, yes, indeed. Like what? The dark place. The dark place. Ooh, that sounds like a bit of foreboding. I'd like to explore some, if you don't mind. Explore some what, exactly? Some of the grounds, some of the rooms. Oh, I'm sure there'll be a time for that eventually, but let us retire here for a few moments and converse. Is this not civilized? Do you need more drink? I won't say no. The gentleman points toward a side table between you, and you're quite sure it wasn't there a moment ago, but there's a big bottle of Campari. There is a bucket of ice. Please, please help yourself. Top off my drink. Oh, would you mind uh, topping me off as well? And I'll pour some into the tumbler. Thank you very much. So what brings you here? Just have a feeling about it. About Pullman's? Yeah, it seemed like the place I needed to be. I see. Interesting, interesting. And are you here alone? As far as I can tell. Hmm. Hopefully I'll be joined soon. By whom? Any familiar face would do. Someone by the name of Rocky Arroyo, perhaps? I'd even take that right now. Well, allow me to introduce myself, Mr. Arroyo. Pardon me for going on and on, but I figured you would like the drink first. You may call me Mr. Surtsey, if you like. 
I'm an acquaintance of your brother's. We've been partnering on a big project, though I'm beginning to doubt his conviction. Tell me, does he have a problem with long-term commitment by any chance? I've never known Rocky to stay with anything too long. Yes, that's the impression I've been getting to. I mean, he couldn't even do his math homework because it was too long and hard for him. Well, but in fairness, math is hard. Yeah, well, he was, like, left back two grades, I think. Oh, my, that's quite a problem. I don't remember seeing that on his resume. Uh, He's a habitual liar like that. I see, I see. Well, I appreciate the information now. I'm looking to put down more permanent roots, and I'm hoping that Rocky would be able to help me pick a place. I believe that picking the right spot can be tricky, yes? Yes, and I believe he could help you. If only he had mm, a realtor of some sort, who might be willing to help me as well. I see you know about what's been going on. Oh, I'm sorry? You can't coincidentally be asking for a realtor, can you? Why, do you know one? We've been running with one for some time now. Would this be Pippa? I've heard tell. I figured you had. All right, Mr. Arroyo, all the cards on the table. I've come here to keep an eye on my investments. What kind of investments? I think we both know that your brother is here in this place, yes? I hoped not, but I assumed so. If I know Rocky, and trust me, I know Rocky, he's probably playing with his toys in the attic. He always did like that stupid song. Mr. Arroyo, I found this conversation enlightening, to say the least, and I'm hoping that you might be able to help me with my project. Would you be willing to lend a hand when necessary? My willingness to help you completely depends on your willingness to provide for me. In the spirit of that, I would like to let you know that... I'm sure that this all must be very confusing, going in one door in one place and coming out the next in another place. But trust me when I say that Rocky and Pippa aren't exactly telling you everything about what's happening here. You may wish, in the very near future, to have a more pointed conversation with them. And best of luck. I hope to see you again shortly, but... In the meantime, I must be off on other business. Please give my regards to your brother. I will do that. Cheerio. And he steps up, puts his glass down, and walks out of the billiard room. See you around, bub. And that's when you hear Danny's voice in your headset. Roy! Roy, can you hear me? For God's sake, say something! Rocky and Pippa. You stand together dead center, in a spacious attic. Three adolescent humanoids, each seemingly constructed of red thread, hurry toward you from different directions. As they move, a leaking bloody trail is left behind. Wheezing, burbling voices those of young girls whose throats are constricted and damaged beyond repair, emit from somewhere inside each cocoon, chanting in unison, Save us! Save us! 
Although their request is plaintive, their outstretched hands clutch and claw hungrily at the air, eager for purchase. As they come to within a few yards, you notice in the moonshine filtering down through the skylight above the way the crimson-soaked thread undulates as if alive. Please roll sanity. I needed a 66. I rolled an 18. That's very hard. I needed a 65. I rolled a 21. That is also a hard success. No sanity damage, but the sight of these young girls is quite unsettling, obviously. Pippa. You have a new item in your possession, something you were able to acquire before this latest jaunt and have cast the spell upon. Please share what the item is, what its history is, and what spell you've imbued it with. I have a sickle, and I imbued it with Bless Blight. Roaming the grounds, trying to figure out what we're going to do, how we're going to fix this horrible situation that we're in, I would spend hours in the tall grass just walking around. And the path I've taken for at least four or five months that I've walked over and over again. But today, something caught my eye, and I looked down, couldn't quite tell what it was. It just looked like a tiny, shiny speck sticking out of the ground. So when I reached down to grab it, it jammed my hand. So looking at my hand, didn't break blood. Nothing came through. So I reached down and cleared it away. And it was one of those old sickles with a wooden handle on it. But the wooden handle looked like it was brand new. It was buried underground. How, how could this be? That doesn't make any sense. The blade, shiny as chrome. Just for fun, I swung it at the grass. It made no sound. But the blades of grass along my swing trajectory were cleanly severed. I knew this was the weapon that I had to have. So you now have a sickle, which is a beaut. It's one of those little handheld sickles. This sickle, which you have uh, spent some magic points and spent an hour imbuing it with Bless Blade, which essentially just allows you to damage creatures which would not otherwise be damaged. In the time that we had the downtime, I started to do some leather work and I was able to fashion a sheath for it that fits perfectly around the top part of my shoulder blades and I can reach just over my head and pull the sickle out with the same motion and it's just the perfect size for me. It seems like Pippa might view this blade that she is enchanted as something more than just a simple weapon to be used. It seems to me like Pippa might have given it purpose. But I have to care for it. Yeah, you're compulsive about keeping it clean, keeping it sharp. I found it, but deep down inside, I know that it found me. Where does Pippa think this thing truly came from? I don't know, but that's something that I do want to find out. I want to research as much as I can and, and find out everything I can about this. Carved into the base of the blade, where it meets the wooden handle, there is a symbol that you've been unable to reference You've tried taking a picture with Google Lens, a single symbol. What does it look like? It's almost like a music note. It starts very thin and opens up as it goes down. It's connected to a small oval, but where the top part comes down into the oval, like it split the oval apart and it's splitting 
right where the oval would have been solid. Like this is actually sticking down into the circle, like if it was a solid circle and it was stabbed. All right, so maybe that will come into play later. But for right now, you guys are in a combat situation. So uh, I have already done the turn order, as you can see. Currently, we have Pippa who has 65 decks, Rocky with a 60 decks, and each of the Thread Girls have 35. Pippa, you're right off the bat. What is it you would like to do? I'm going to swing my sickle. Go for the jugular. And I'm going to swing for her midsection. So you're a swinger now, huh? Here's my keys. Pippa, swing away. I needed a 25. I rolled an 11. That's a hard success for seven damage. I needed a 17. I rolled a seven. That's a hard for dodge. Threadgirl three was able to dodge successfully. That midsection that you swung for actually pulled in of its own accord and the body shifted. And you can see like a bit more blood squeeze out between the thread and splatter onto the floor. You can see its center of gravity shifts slightly and then keeps coming toward you. Wow. All right, Rocky, what you going to do? I'm going to I'm going to pull my gun up. Bloody hell. Look, now's not the time to be heroic. Head for the exit, and I'm going to take a step back towards the the hatch and just pop a shot off at whichever girl is closest to me. I needed a 78. I rolled a 14. That's an extreme success for one point of damage. (laughs) You see the bullet sink into the thread and hear a bit of a squish, but you can actually see your bullet travel directly through and embeds itself in the far wall. And that is your turn. We are now on to Thread Girl number three, who is going to attack Pippo. Going to try to just bash you. You can fight back. You can maneuver. You can dodge. Cast a spell that's instantaneous. You run away. Just like the brave Sir Robin. You can run away. He bravely ran Sir Robin. Shut up. I did not. He bravely soiled his armor. I think I'm going to dodge. Go ahead and roll. I need a 33. Roll a 45. I failed. I slid on the blood. The unarmed attack uh, needed a 30, rolled a 64, so uh, you both failed. No worries there. So we're going to go ahead and go to zombie girl number two, who is going to lash out at Mr. Gunplay. What would you like to do in defense, Rocky? We're going to fight back and take another shot at her. She tries to close in. Go ahead and roll. Uh, I needed a 78. I rolled an 11. That's an extreme success for three points of damage. I needed a 30 and rolled a 2 since you're the defender and it's a tie. Defender wins. So uh, you get the ups on this one. That is three more points to Threadgirl number 2. This time you take off a chunk of the left side of her head and you can see meat revealed as the thread is blown away off the side of her head and then the thread just covers up the wound but you can still see like the skull is lopsided thread girl number one is going to step forward and because you are outnumbered you can't defend against this would be rocky need a 30 rolled a 55 so it took a swipe at you but missed you gotta be quicker than that miss me miss me now you got no wait it's hard to get that thread through the needle all right so uh we are at the top of the round now i'm gonna make a change here because a rocky now has the gun so that's gonna put you at 110 rocky has a gun so that puts you at the top of the round sir above pippa continue my slow retreat by taking another step back towards the hatch and i'm just gonna take another shot at the thread girl that i've already damaged I needed a 78. I rolled a 94. That is a failure. 
you're at the hatch and you look down and see that it is padlocked. Oh, Merry Christmas. Oh, bloody hell. And Pippa, it is your turn. I'm going to try swinging at the same one again. She's going to go ahead and fight back against you. I'm going to pull the sickle back as far as I can, but do an upward swing. I needed a 25. I rolled a 24. That is a success with four damage. Threadgirl 3 is fighting back. You did a 30, roll a 50. That's a fail. So we'll take the four points of damage. Come on, Bless Blade. And yes, it splits uh, her wide open. And you see entrails spill out of the opening. But almost as quickly, the thread closes the wound, leaving the entrails on the ground, the innards, the intestines, Mm. severing them from the midsection so they slop onto the floor in front of you. And the... Little creature is still standing, but looks a little wobbly. I look over my shoulder. Rocky, get us out of here. Well, they kind of locked us in here. We're not having a conversation. I just wanted you to do that. by Click. Click. Threadgirl 3, the one you just hit, Pippa, is now going to attack you with ferocity. What would you like to do? Fight back. F this stuff. Toe-to-toe, baby. Uh, I needed a 30 roll to one. That's a critical. I'm going to run. I called sheetsies. We have had weird rolls tonight. Oh, I needed a 25 roll to 54. That's a fail. Now, with all of the, the guts and the blood on the floor, I can't even stand up straight. Now's not the time to be rolling in the sty. Get up. That will be three damage to you. Okay. The uh, thread girl lashes out, and as she does so, her hand extends. The thread unspools and slaps your forearm that's holding the sickle and slices. Wounds open up in your forearm and start to bleed. Thread girl number two and one who are both on Rocky. And what would you like to do? I'm just going to defensively take another shot. 30 rolled a four, which is an extreme. Uh, I needed a 78. I rolled a 50. That's a regular success. You take one point of damage. What does that leave you with? 10. The thread whips out and scrapes your face, tearing a little chunk of flesh off. Rope burn, rope burn. Causing you to uh, nix your shot, unfortunately. Well, that wasn't very nice. Save us. I I was going to, but you know, now that you've done that, deals off the table. Thread girl number three is going to lash out and you are outnumbered so you can't really dodge or defend against this. Boom. Need a 30. Roll a 63. Uh, 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 uh. Wag my finger at her. Round three. Rocky, you're up to do something. Up all night to get lucky. Take another shot at, I guess, girl number two. Uh, I needed a 78. I rolled a 63. That's a success for 10 points of damage. You blow off the, the rest of her face. And that, my friends, is the danger of predictability in combat. See, I knew exactly where she was going. I knew exactly what she was going to do. And you take advantage of these moments. With your bonus turn, instead of talking, will you shoot the lock off? Pippa, you're up. Sickle, sickle, come and get kill. <laughs> going to attempt to dodge. I rolled a 20. I needed a 25, excuse me. Rolled a 19. That's a success with six damage. I need a 17. Roll a 38. That's a fail. Please describe what your sickle does to this thing to kill it. At this point, I just did a lash out swing. I didn't prep. I didn't think it through. I just swung it naturally. I caught just under the left arm with an upward motion. So it went in just under the arm. And with that pull, realizing that I hit, I pulled up as hard as I could straight up into the air and separated out the other shoulder. There's only one thread girl left. She's on Rocky. So she's going to take a swing at Rock. What are you going to do? Pivot on my heel and take a shot at the incoming enemy. I needed a 78. I rolled an 83. That is a 
failure. I need a 30, roll a 68. That's also a failure. So comedy of errors, you 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 attempt to pivot and uh, your foot hits the padlock, causing you to stumble slightly. And so you're thrown off balance just as the thread girl launches herself at you. She is now standing on top of the trap door. And it is round four. Would you mind moving? I'm trying to leap. And Rocky, you're up. Well, now you're just in my way. And I'm going to raise my gun and take another shot. I needed a 78. I rolled a 32. That's a hard success for four points of damage. Pippa, you're up. Step in and try to assist. Oh, is that with a sickle, you mean? Yep. I needed a 25, rolled a 51. Unfortunately, that is a successful fail. So you step forward, raising the sickle high above your head and immediately slip in some of the uh, intestines. They were the small intestines. And now the thread girl hears you and pivots and tries to strike you. What would you like to do? Uh, I'm going to try to dodge. I need a 30, roll a 2, extreme success. I need a 33, I rolled a 28, which is also an extreme success. It's just a regular success. So you take three points of damage. Uh Uh-oh, now I have troubles. Now you have troubles. You are uh, still standing, but quite a bit wobbly, right? I'm all right. We are now on to uh, Rocky, top of the round. Get her out of here, Rock. If you would just step aside, I wouldn't have to... Oh, god damn it. And I'm going to shoot her again. Uh, I needed a 78. I rolled a 90. That's a failure. Pippa, you are up. Freely swing away. Swing for the fences, Jimmy. Needed a 25, rolled a 35. That's a fail. Threadgirl is going to turn back towards Rocky uh, and is going to try to slap you. What uh, What do you want to do? Take another shot, I guess. All right, fight back. Go ahead and roll. Uh, I needed a 78. I rolled a 55. That's a success for six points of damage. I needed a 30, rolled an 80. That's a failure. So your defense takes place. You did quite a bit of damage. Took off one of the arms, hit it in the shoulder, and the arm just falls to the floor. And the thread withers and turns black. Well, that was rather disarming. You see what I did there, Pippa? You see, um... I smack my forehead. Top of the round. So, Rocky, you get the ups. Last bullet. One in the chamber. And I'm going to spin and shoot nighty-night. Or I needed a 78. I rolled a 66. That's two points of damage. And a success. Please describe what happens when you kill this thing. So after losing the first arm, it's, you know, it's a little pissed. So it, like, full-on rears back and goes out to punch. Swings the arm all the way out. And then looks over to realize that not only did it miss me, but my gun is now pointed directly between where the eyes would be. And I pull the trigger and brains just out the back. Brains and yarn just everywhere behind her. As soon as the brains spatter onto the floor and the swirl of smoke escapes the tip of your gun, you hear beneath your feet the metallic clank as the padlock unlocks itself. Now it is boy. Roy, Roy, can you hear me? I can hear you breathing. I can hear you now. Good God. For a minute there, I, I, I lost all connection. Um, are, are Rocky and Pippa there with you? Any sign of the gem yet? They're here somewhere. I haven't seen it, though. Okay, so you haven't seen the gem, but you, you, you think Rocky and Pippa are there somewhere? Uh, that's what it seems like. Can't be 100% sure. Okay, okay. Um, Well, I, I don't know if you remember, but I left some ghost hunting equipment in the foyer. Maybe that'll help you track down the gem. And while you're doing that, I will try to reestablish communication with uh, Rocky and Pippa. Now that I can talk to you, I'll try them. Were people supposed to be here? I'm, I'm sorry, people? Yeah, were there supposed to be inhabitants of this place right now? You're in Pole Mance, right? 
Yeah. Why, are you seeing people? I don't... No, I just wanted to make sure. No, not not that I'm aware of. Um, but you, you can never tell, you know. it's It's been a while since we've been there. Well, if anyone's here, I'll just blast them. All right, well, you do you, Roy. That's why you pay me. I'll be in touch shortly, okay? Good luck. Thank you. And you hear a click as she cuts off. And you're standing there in the game room of Pomance. Okay, well, I'll finish my glass and pour another and finish that glass, and then I'll sort of work my way towards the foyer. Go ahead and roll a con. I needed a 60, I got a 32 as a success. If Arroyos can do one thing, it's hold our liquor. And speaking of which, yeah, you feel the Campari just sitting nicely, comfortingly in the bottom of your gut, warming your esophagus and providing you with a, maybe a bit more bravado than you ordinarily would have. In this situation. Uh-oh. Everybody put their phones down. <laughs> well, I will confidently make my way to the foyer. And sure enough, you see a pile of equipment, much the way that you remembered it being initially back when you were first here at Pomance. Uh, you see there is an EMF meter, a full-spectrum POV cam, uh, handheld thermal cams, an Ouija board, a spirit writing kit, and a dark-haired dark-eyed doll in a red dress that looks very familiar and its glassy eyes stare at you i'll walk over and turn the doll around so it's not looking at me and as you do so you hear i like pudding i'll sort of freak out and throw the doll on the ground and it shatters the head pops off and rolls into the corner looking up at you see i naturally assumed you were gonna kill me right there (laughs) i did too (laughs) I'll grab the equipment and get out to the hallway. All right, which equipment would you like to grab? Because there's quite a few different types. So whatever I can grab in my arms and then I'll figure it out in the hallway. Yeah, I don't want to be in this room right now. EMF meter and a handheld thermal cam. Those are probably the, the easiest to, to grab. And you retreat back into the uh, st- main staircase hall. I'll close the door behind me and with my back against it, fiddle around with the machines, see if I can get them working. Each one... Appears to have full battery and turns on easily enough. And as you turn them on and you know do the diagnostic to make sure that they're actually functional, Danny comes back on and says, uh, "Roy, did you did you get the equipment? Yeah, I got some of it. Good. Uh, hey, listen, I, I tracked down uh, Rocky and Pippa. They're they're up in the attic, but I think they're making their way down. Uh, you guys should probably regroup and you know try to use that equipment to find the gem. I was headed that way anyway. So all right, well I'm here if you need me. I appreciate you. Oh. Thank you. I appreciate you, too. That's not the uh, Campari talking, is it? I was able to see the label on the on the monitor. If it was Aperol, we'd have a different... Com- maybe it might be. All right, we'll save a little bit for me. Okay, I'll do that. And then you hear uh, the click as she disconnects, and uh, you detect some footfalls echoing from above. I'll assume it's them and head upstairs. So you ascend the grand staircase hall up to the second floor, and just as you attain the landing, you see Rocky and Pippa. They look uh, a little bit draggled. Uh, Actually, Pippa is leaning against Rocky slightly, and you can see that uh, she's been injured. Uh, Rocky has a couple cuts on his face, but otherwise appears to be the same old rock. Pippa, come here. We can't have you bleeding all over the carpets. And I'm going to pull uh, a first aid kit out of my pack and I'm going to try and patch her up a bit. At least 
stabilizer. Alrighty, go ahead and roll first aid. I needed a 49. I rolled a 56. That would be a failure. Ow! Don't put your finger in it. Shh, this is good for both of us. The cuts that she received, they're not severe, but they're just varied. And you can't find, like, there's no bandage to actually, you know, that's going to close up the wound sufficiently. Um, at least not in the kit that you have. What happened to you two? Mm-hmm. A little run-in with a sewing issue. I always knew that that crap was dangerous. You remember the red yarn that I had an issue with last time we were here? It came back with a vengeance. I swear to God, if you get killed by something stupid like yarn. Kind of looked similar to that thing that was in the sewing room that I shoved somebody into i don't even remember who it was at this point it was a while back but yeah it was it was kind of like that you know do you take care of it or was it still out oh, there oh yeah no no it's it, not a problem anymore and i'm gonna reach into my pack and um swap for a full magazine for my gun because the last shot i took was the last of that mag you seen this crystal yet no uh, nothing in the attic well, hopefully this gear will help us get it. I mean, if it's anything like the last time we were here, we might want to head downstairs. Wasn't there that door in the kitchen or the pantry or something like that that led into the basement? That was my figuring as well. We want to take the main staircase or the side stairs. Well, I just came from the main and there was nothing in danger there. All right, lead the way. All right, and I'll have the equipment up so that way I can kind of monitor as we walk. So uh, you go back down to the ground floor. And as you move away from the foyer and vestibule, your equipment, in particular the EMF meter, begins to wane. You turn it towards the vestibule and the front door, and the signal gets stronger in that direction. Let's check this out. What do you think it is? Ghosts and ghouls. Oh, boy. As long as it's not spooky, scary skeletons. As you move into the foyer and then the vestibule beyond... The signal becomes even stronger. It's quite clear that the signal is emitting from somewhere outside. Ready up. I'm going to open the front. All right. I'm going to gun up at the door just just in case anything happens to be out there. Outside Pomance, it is perpetual night. Overhead, the full moon leers down from a black Starless sky with avid interest, casting the landscape in a pale, ghostly luminescence which drains everything to shades of gray. A faint breeze brings the distant whiff of salt water and drowned things left to rot on seaweed strewn beaches. Dead, gnarled apple trees surround the property their skeletal limbs outstretched, beseeching the heavens for succor that will never come. Yet each tree is laden with a strange fruit. Obsidian gemstones hang heavy and pendulous from drooping branches. Thousands upon thousands of identical black jewels. Oh, bloody hell, not again. Which one did we need? The real one. Okay. So the real one would look like... I'm going to go up and kind of tap on my ear and go, uh, Danny, are you there? Can you hear me with this thing? Yes. Yes, Rock. What's up? Minor problem. Left the, the manse, found a bunch of trees. Every single tree has a bunch of identical looking of obsidian gems hanging from the branches. You wouldn't happen to have any idea on how we could tell which one is... The, 
the real one, would you? Like, imagine, like, a, a full-on, like, apple orchard, but instead of apples, they're obsidian gems, if that helps. Does the equipment point you in a particular direction? You got anything, Roy? And I'll sort of wave it around and see if I can lock in a, a space. So you take the EMF meter and move it to the left and the right, and sure enough, the signal wanes or waxes, depending on which way you're pointing it. And obviously, it's pointing deeper into the apple orchard. Rock, I'll be able to pinpoint the direction, but it's going to be tough to find the exact tree. Hopefully, we'll get some sort of sign as we get close. Uh, looks like for now, the EMF meter is um, at least giving us a general direction. We'll keep you updated as we wander out. All right. Good luck, guys. Thanks. Click. I guess we better get looking. I mean, if that thing is giving us a direction, by all means, I'm going to gesture towards the trees. Just Stick together on this one, can we please? I've never been here, so I'm I'm gonna stick with you guys for sure. Well, we're kind of at a place that in the we haven't been here here. Here? Here. Not there. We've been here, but we haven't been here here. You here? I'll start walking in the direction in which it points us. It's very eerie to see all of these black jewels refracting and reflecting the moonlight. Almost as if their eyes looking at you. From every direction. Don't touch anything. But the EMF meter is quite accurate in leading you toward a semi-clearing where the apple trees have parted slightly and in the center of this clearing is a much older ancient apple tree standing a bit taller than the rest with the same gemstones hanging. It's gnarled and knobby branches hanging down. And I'm going to need everybody to make a spot hidden, please. So Rocky and Roy both fail, but Pippa? I needed 45. I rolled a 5, which is an extreme success. Roy leads the three of you toward this tree. And as you get closer, you can see that there is a knot hole where a branch had been pruned long, long ago. Inside this knot hole is another obsidian gemstone. It, it strikes you as odd because it's not hanging from one of the branches. It's tucked into this knot hole. As Pippa steps closer, very drawn toward the curiosity of it, and also slightly mystified or maybe even hypnotized to a certain extent, this glittering gem hidden away inside the tree, almost involuntarily your hand starts reaching for it. And you can hear the EMF meter clicking away, beeping slightly softly in Roy's hand. And you get closer and closer to the knot hole, your hand mere inches from the gemstone. And then your hand freezes because with your extreme spot hidden, you see that the gemstone is not simply tucked into the knot hole. It's being held in the knot hole, you can see the tips of pale fingers wrapped around from beneath. A pale hand is holding the gemstone. As I was stepping forward, I put my, and realized that I'm going to put my arms out like a mom and stop them from coming forward. I'm going to bump into you because this whole time I've just been facing away from the main tree towards the trees behind us with my gun up, making sure nothing is coming up behind us. I'm going to apply pressure. So it'd be on his on Rocky's lower back and Roy's hip, and I'm just gonna tap and push back and take a step back, like back up, back up, back up. Gonna grab our ears and drag us. 
You get over here right now. I didn't mean it, Mom. I found the stone, but there's something in that tree, and it's got a grip on it. I saw the fingers holding it. Pippa, you do have an advantage because you have seen and studied with your extreme spot hidden. You realize if you want to retrieve this gemstone, you could do one of two things. You could simply snatch it, or you're going to have to wrest it from the grip. Because you have spotted it so well, have a bonus die on sleight of hand. We could try to steal it quickly. I'm not good at that. I don't know about you guys. We might be able to just grab and pull it and rip it out of there. If you try and steal it and fail, it's going to turn into a grab and pull match, so... If we're lucky, who's to say it's not going to, I don't know, disappear back into the tree? Shut up, nerd. Rocky, do you think you can grab it and rip it out of there? I mean, I'm willing to give it a shot if no one else wants to. Well, I don't have the grip strength. I'm working on it. It's getting better. But I don't have the grip strength, I don't think, to pull it out of there. I've been feeling weak the whole time we've been here. All right. I guess it's up to me. I'm going to tuck my gun back into the holster and step up to the tree study the gem for a moment, look at it, and then we're going to kind of plant one foot on the base of the, the trunk so I have something to push off against. And we're going to reach in and grab it and immediately just as much strength as I can muster yank back out of the knot hole. Roll your strength, please. I needed a 75. I rolled a 90. That's a failure. Charlie horse! Charlie horse! Oh, God! You could spend 15 luck or you could try to push the roll. Push it. So first time I, I grab, I grab onto it and I push back. There was some sweat on my hands. You know, I'm a little nervous and it's going to start to move a bit and then it's going to slip out of my hand and I'm going to kind of stumble backwards and fall down. Going to stand back up, crack my knuckles a bit, make sure I wipe my hands off so that they're nice and dry, plant my foot back on the tree. We're going to reach back in and we're going to push the roll and try and grab it a second time. Whammy, no whammy, no whammy, no whammy. I needed a 75. I rolled a 21. That is a hard success. Doing some calisthenics. The gem plucks unwillingly from the grasp of the pale hand inside. The ground beneath your feet trembles as massive roots emerge from the soil, pushing the trunk of the old apple tree from its moorings. As the tremors shake the earth, all of the other surrounding fruit trees begin to transform, becoming two-dimensional cardboard representations which wobble in the night air before falling to lie flat in the dirt like discarded artwork created by children. The pale hand emerges from the knothole, seeming to probe the air looking for something or someone. In response, the boughs quiver in the uprooted wooden bulk with anticipation as it shifts forward in pursuit. I'm going to need everybody to roll sanity. I needed a 65. I rolled a 90. That's a failure. Oh, yeah. I need a 43. I got a 23. I needed a 66. I rolled a 16. That's hard. I'm going to need Rocky to roll d10, please. Four. Points of sanity damage. Please describe your involuntary reaction. So the the movement of the tree gives me a a temporary flashback to when I was uh, a kid. We were out playing down by the swamp, and back where we lived, uh, there was this big old uh, willow tree 
that we used to play around. And it reminds me, it sends me back to the day where, you know, we're all down there playing and I hear some, one of, one of my brothers yell and I look back and everybody rushes up and grabs me and starts tying me up with the, the branches on the willow tree and holding me in place. And I remember just the, the panic of being restrained and being unable to move and the, the movement of the, the branches of, and the, the, bulk of this tree coming at me like that just set off that that locked away memory in my brain and it causes me to almost scream and and kind of sprint back away from the tree in in order to find some sort of sense of safety the three of you recoil from the apple tree which has suddenly come to life it's out thrust pale hand acting as its sensory gland and it's clearly uprooting itself from the soil to give chase. And that's when you hear Danny's voice in your ear. We're just about out of time, ghost buddies. The portal's open. Get that gem back inside, stat. Shake off the momentary panic, swivel my head around to try and see if I can't spot our target. Where's where's the portal at? You whirl around and see the front door of Poe Mance is now blinding white, looking very much like the portal that Roy had stepped into in the basement of the sub sub basement of Blaine Manor. Well, no need to stand around here. I say we go, and I'm going to start running towards the front door. Yep, I'm right on your tails. And you can hear behind you the crash and thunderous reverberations of this tree chasing you. Don't look, don't look. You reach the front and hurl yourselves into the blinding portal entry. You feel a ripple of queasiness as the bright illumination swallows you whole. Immediately, the light fades and is replaced by total darkness in every direction. Vertigo threatens to overwhelm your senses, so you shut your eyes tightly, waiting for the jaunt to complete. When it does... You feel the weight of your body being pulled downward by the force of gravity. Pippa, with a lurch, you lean over the side of the bed and vomit onto the floor. The sickly splash reeks of half-digested bacon and coffee. Dazed, you wipe your mouth with the back of your hand and try to focus on your surroundings. Instead of the expected white sheets and gurney of Professor Peasley's lab, you realize you are lying on a twin mattress that sags in the middle where the bed frame springs have long ago given up its support. The room is likewise small, only 10 by 10, with cheap paneling that is practically rotting off the walls. There are several faded blank spots where pictures once hung and a ramshackle dresser squats in one corner, its drawers pulled askew. As you attempt to pinpoint your location, you hear an eerie sound outside that causes the hair on your nape to tingle uncomfortably. Rocky. With a slightly painful thump, you feel cold, hard ground rise up to meet your prone body. The smell of musty soil, wet rocks, and gasoline assaults your nostrils. 
Reflexively, you reach up to pinch your nose closed, but your hand is met with the sticky strands of spider webs. You open your eyes cautiously, trying to focus on where you might be. Although it is very dark, distant faint light from an unknown source allows your sight to slowly adjust until you're able to pick out the vague shape of your palm in front of your face. You reach up, brushing away more webs to feel an unyielding surface just a couple feet above. Quick exploration with your fingers confirms the material is most likely wood of some sort, and you're pretty sure those beams are floor joists. Is this some sort of crawl space beneath a house? As the thought enters your puzzling mind, something wet drips onto your hand. You rub the viscous substance between your thumb and forefinger, warily bringing it closer to get a good sniff. Is that bacon? Before you're able to confirm the suspicion with a taste test, however, a hauntingly familiar voice drifts to your ears. Roy, you stand upright, packed dirt beneath your feet, and the enticing scent of white pine encircling you. Cautiously, you open your eyes and immediately wish you hadn't. Deja vu balloons inside your head. You are standing in the middle of a clearing in a Wisconsin forest, trees looming at every compass point. Here, in front of you, is Clyde Bauman's cabin in the woods. The very sight of the structure causes your innards to seize with a peculiar coldness, and even before you hear it, you know what comes next. From somewhere deep inside the tree line, a lilting voice calls out, Give me kisses. Tune in next time as we play another reel of the Lovecraft Tapes. Oh, God. This is crazy. There's the higher power is doing something. You mean Jeremy? Yeah. Yeah, Jeremy's definitely doing something. <laughs> so let's launch straight into our recommendos. All right, I'll go first. I've always had a soft spot for singer-songwriters who write intelligent lyrics and exhibit genius musical talent. In the past couple decades, I've enjoyed Stephen Wilson's solo efforts, as well as his work with Pineapple Thief, Blackfield, and No Man. But I discovered him initially by way of Porcupine Tree. As his solo career took off, his participation in other bands began to wane. So, fans of Porcupine Tree were pretty much resigned that the project was kaput. Lo and behold, the pandemic has a silver lining. Stephen Wilson enlisted Gavin Harrison and Richard Barbieri to secretly record a new album called Closure Continuation. And it is every bit a Porcupine Tree album, a natural evolution of their signature sound influenced by the likes of Pink Floyd, Tool, and other prog rock bands. This is a fantastic return to form, considering Wilson has increasingly explored pop sound with a fair degree of success, and wasn't expected to delve back into socio-political investigations with a hard-edged sound. I find the lyrics more focused and less navel-gazy than the early stuff, and the instrumentals are crisp, insistent, and confident. They've supplemented the album with a couple good videos, too, including a surreal dystopian thematic for Rat's Return. And of course, there is a near 10-minute track because, hey, it's prog rock. 
If you dig the style even a little, give Closure Continuation from Porcupine Tree a listen. Gabe, why don't you go next? I'm going to recommend a new movie. It's on Hulu. It's Prey, the Predator prequel. found it very enjoyable. I love Predator. I even loved Predators. I even liked Predator 2. I really enjoyed this because it was just a fresh take. It's about Native Americans fighting Predator. You know, it was just a new style of looking at an old favorite, seeing how they went about it, seeing how, you know, their culture implemented in fighting the thing and just seeing it on the early American plains. It was a, a new look in to something just kept it very fresh i thought it was a uh, probably the best way that they could have made another predator movie because it didn't just feel like the same movie recycled again it's something that i think a lot of these like long-running horror classics should try and do in that it changed up the formula and made something completely different that we haven't seen before i thought it was very good i thought that the gore while there wasn't a ton of it was very cool it, it had everything that you want from a Predator movie other than Jesse Ventura. That would have been the only thing that could have improved it. But yeah, so give Prey a check. I thought it was very good. Thank you, Gabe. We will definitely check that out. It's on my list. So, uh, Matt, you're up next. I'm recommending a, a game tonight, but it's, uh, it's you know, something a little something old, yet it's something new. Uh, it's uh, Marvel's Spider-Man Remastered. Uh, a re-release of the formerly PlayStation exclusive Spider-Man game from, I want to say 2014, somewhere around there. And what it is, is hands down like the best Spider-Man game in a very long time. Very much a classic tale. You have, you know, Peter Parker in New York taking on some of the classic baddies. You see uh, Shocker, you see Scorpion, you see some of the some of the, the favorite rogues gallery in there. And it's just, you know, him trying trying to balance being Peter Parker and still trying to save New York from all these bad guys. The movement is spot on. It's so much fun just to swing from the buildings in New York and to zip around that I haven't ever touched fast travel in the game because it's more entertaining to just move around. Combat is really great. They borrowed the the Batman Arkham style system where you're jumping around and you get a prompt above your head to dodge. And between the, the fluid movement and the wide range of gadgets you get, it just brings a lot of variety and a lot of style to combat. And it really makes you feel like you're Spider-Man. You're you're dodging them out of the way of bullets and punches while you're, you know, bouncing around, pulling people up into the air with your webs and then beating them up and then sticking them to walls. The game is, at this point, incredibly polished. It runs really well on PC. It is easy to to get not only a good-looking game, but a good-looking game that holds a steady 60 FPS, which is always what I love to see on a PC port. So if you're a Marvel fan, if you're a Spider-Man fan, if you're looking for just a really great, fun game, uh, grab the remaster of Spider-Man. Man, which is out now on Steam because it's it's just a good time. I'm having a lot of fun with it. Bonus points. It runs really well on my Steam Deck. So if you're looking for something to do while you're out and about, you can play Spider-Man on the go. Cool. Thank you, Matt. And Brian, close us out. I'm going to recommend a website where you can order meat. It's called wildforkfoods.com. So I was having a hard time finding meat locally, and the stuff you could find was pretty bad and very expensive. Just on a whim, I got an ad and it said free shipping on your first order over $35. I'm like, well, I'll drop 40 bucks and we'll see if, uh, if that works. And I ordered from them and the quality of the meat and the amount you get 
versus local grocery store, head and shoulders above everybody else. So I've been ordering from them pretty much all summer long and discovered that if you sign up for their yearly membership, which is $30, you get free shipping on every single order over $35 regardless. So it's pretty much a no-brainer because normally it would cost you $10 for shipping per. The other nice part is they ship it overnight and it's in a cooler with dry ice and it keeps everything nice and chilled and cold and ready to go. So uh, check it out. It's wildforkfoods.com. Thanks, guys. And that's going to be it for this episode of Lovecraft Tapes. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you prefer. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review. Meanwhile, you can find us at lovecrafttapes.com with links to all our hashtag recommendals and social media channels, including Reddit, YouTube, and our Discord server. We can chat with us in real time. You can find me on Twitter at Lovecraft Tapes. And if anybody can tell me why this bacon tastes so funny, let me know on Twitter at the Real Weird Kid. And if anyone can tell me why this bacon from the mail tastes so funny, you can find me at Lovecraft Gabe. And if anybody can tell me why the bacon, I'm going to order bacon from Wild Fork Foods. Reach out to me at Brian Podcast. Until next time, roll for kisses. Not bacon? I was going to roll for bacon. The Lovecraft Tapes podcast is copyright 2022. For more information and sponsorship opportunities, please send email to podcast at thelovecrafttapes.com. Support the Lovecraft Tapes podcast and get access to exclusive content and rewards at patreon.com slash lovecrafttapes.